Hello and welcome to the 361 Degrees End of Season 7 Question and Answer Special. My name's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. And I'm Ray from the All About Sites. Hello gents, it's a special bonus episode yeah. to celebrate the end of Season 7 and we haven't taken any questions uh, this season. From we're the not, audience. Well, no, we're not. We haven't really responded to any comments or, or taken questions from the audience. Oh, in not, the part, yeah. Not yeah. so much. Apart and, from the tall guy. And uh, now you need to leave that, right? Thanks, Mike. Leave that. Okay. Thanks Let a lot. it go, you're Let it go. Let Thanks it go. a lot, man. Um, so, uh, <laughs> what we did was we put out a note on Twitter and said, hey, ask us questions. And you know what they did? They only went and bleed and sent us some questions. So uh, in the next half an hour, we are going to rattle through as many questions as received as quickly as possible. This is the bonus episode. Bonus right? episode. Yep, actually, this is episode 99 in the lifespan of uh, 361 Podcast. So we are very much on the approach now to episode 100, which we really should start planning soon. But anyway, onwards and upwards, Rafe Blanford, why don't you ask us the first question that what was sent in? So this is a great question from Stephen D'Souza via Twitter. What are your current phones and would they change in the near future? Ewan. Uh, right. Okay, yes. So my current current phone is the iPhone 5S. That will be changing to the 6. Uh, probably both of them, uh, the big and the small one, if the rumors are to be believed. Um, and I also am using an HTC One M8. And the LG G3, I've just finished a month using the LG G3. And I also have the Nokia Lumia 930 that I haven't, I haven't used that in anger yet. That's, that's me. Show off. Ralph Lanford? Uh, well, I'm currently using the uh, Lumia 930, that lovely orange one that I blinded Ben with in an earlier episode. Mm. But like most normal people, I don't actually just have one phone. Of course. Uh, I'm also using a, an iPhone 5S as a kind of a work device. I've got a HTC One M8 as my kind of Android device. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of kind of hankering after maybe changing that to the, the new Nexus device when that comes out so I can so be current with Android L. Um the iPhone, you know, six. I'm kind of not You'll that interested in that. Long if I can you can get, say that. If I get and get iOS eight on my five S, they're going to have to do something interesting no, no. to make. Because what upgrade. you know what they're going to do? They'll put iOS eight on you. You can upgrade it, but they, they'll put a little flag in it to say, "Remember, make it slower." Or, or, or something like that. Yeah. I've also been using a whole bunch of kind of low end devices. I can't really call them my device. I'm, I'm using them to educate myself. And what has kind of struck me is there's a smaller difference than there ever used to be between the high and the low end. It's still a bit of a problem on Android if you're below two gigabytes and start really pushing your device, you feel it. Um, But I do think that's kind of been the new trend in that I would personally, if I was not, you know, obsessed by mobile, like probably all those listening to this, I would settle for a mid-tier device that that would be perfectly acceptable and provide me with a more than good enough experience. Very sensible. So I'm using a 5S, iPhone 5S at the moment. I've been using iPhones now for a while, so that's kind of my primary device. I use a bunch of different Android devices, but that's because I'm in an environment where I'm testing Android software because we we make it. Notable ones? uh, Well, in, in the cupboard, we've got 
S4s, S3s. I think we've got a couple of S5s knocking around. I've in my bag right now. I've got what's that very old Xperia Z? What was the first Sony? Z, Z. The Xperia Z, uh, which we use for older testing, and I've had it on the go for ages. Um, but I have to say, I, I never settled on having an Android phone as ever since the original G1. You know, the sideways slide out one. I've never yeah. settled on having an Android phone as a as a daily driver. And actually, uh, the other one I've got in the bag right now is the Palm Pre that I mentioned earlier. And says really. Have you actually done anything with that? I've yeah. just sat there. No, it's got SIM in. It's it's got my work SIM in. It yeah, takes yeah, you're calls. Doing anything with it? Uh, e- the moment, the most productive thing I do with it is email. Um, it's I, I just that keyboard. Yeah, it's not a great keyboard. It's not a great keyboard, but I really just like the uh, the UI. I just love navigating around the UI. If, if if that had survived, I just think that would have been such a great yeah. great thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a novelty. But I like to have like to have that. Um, Dom Travers uh, got in touch via Twitter and actually asked a follow up question. So um, Dom, I, I think he's being slightly confrontational, but you know, bring it on, bring it on, Dom. We'll give him he the says, benefit of the doubt. Bring it on, when, when is one of you going to use an Android device? Proper, seriously, proper ROM, no OEM or carrier nonsense. Right, wait a minute. That needs to be translated. So what, what do you Manfred, mean? Come on, translate. What he that. means is, when, when are you going to use Android that everyone texts and uh, sorry uh, comments and, and tweets us to say that we should be using whenever we complain about, for example, your G three having yeah, software problems? I, I just said using Android is excruciating. It's just ridiculous. And then uh, people such as Dominic Travers here. Uh, come on to Twitter and on to Mobile Industry Review and just say, please, 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 please use a proper stripped-down Android device, which no one else on the planet is using, Dominic. This is the point. I think that's maybe a slight exaggeration. I mean, I'm assuming this is the pure Google device. Yeah, I see what what he means, but Dominic, I want to see how bad it is, and it's shocking, right? So I think it's all right for Dominic to say, hey, guys, it's very nice over here, the grass is green. Because I do actually believe if you actually strip down Android, remove all the nonsense and really uh, tailor it correctly, um, I think it can be a nice experience. I mean, I got the G3 working a lot better by switching everything off, all the cool stuff, absolutely everything cool that it does, all the animations, everything, I switched all that off. You had to actually enable a special mode in the phone to do this. And... It has significantly degraded the 600 quid's worth of value, but it does work better. You, you can also talk about the Google Nexus devices. And yep. I think with Android L, the introduction of Android 1 will see that become more common. This is the idea that Google is going to do sort of reference designs and yeah, then be responsible yeah. for the software updates for a whole bunch of kind of low-end and mid-tier phones, particularly from the Chinese and the Indian manufacturers. So I think that might address that kind of Android pain point. But honestly, I would also say, Dominic, some of the stuff that manufacturers do is actually very nice. I quite like what HTC oh, Sense has done the, to the, the M8. Feed and, yeah. Well, it's blink feed, and a lot of the HTC-specific applications are better than what you get with stock Android, in in my view. But it's that, true, yes. that, you know that value proposition is a tricky one to address, and. These I, phone I, manufacturers are still putting stuff on there. I, I love this how this conversation they go. Oh, you shouldn't use iPhone because it's so restrictive and limited, and and you know it's far too. I could never live with that. I could never live with that. You need to use Android, and you say, oh, but Android's horrible and, and and ruined by the OEMs. No, no. If you choose one of these two precise devices and then spend six <laughs> weeks customizing it, then it can be really sw- no. And, and don't forget, you need to put SwiftKey on it. <laughs> so I, I think, which by the way is on the G three standard. So, so right yeah, joking aside, I think if I was if I was buying 
buying a device for me and tailoring it for me, then I would do precisely what Dom says. But I can't because I need to be aware of what people are in the real world can't are using. Yeah. And, and let's face it, Nexus devices are not mass market, huge volume sellers. And secondly, right. why should I bother? Because other manufacturers and other platforms, and I don't just mean iPhone, actually, I think Windows Phone does a good job of this as well, works pretty well out of the box. Okay, uh, all right. And just to complicate this, we've got... Uh, you know, non-Google Android phones, you know, kind of the open source ones coming in. And actually, probably the next quarter, they're going to outsell or get close to outselling, uh, you know, standard with Google Android phones. And so it's a problem that still exists for Android. But we should move on to our... Just before we do, Dominic said, go and get a Motorola G. And uh, it's so a great I'm recommendation for a mid-tier phone. I really, I've been really impressed by yep. the, the, the Motorola G. Moving on to kind of a ecosystems topic, we've had... And I'm going to mispronounce this. Oka Leon, also via Twitter, has said to us, if three app stores were all the same in quality and quantity, which mobile OS would we choose? So I think we could kind of take this, uh, you know, if there was no app gap or that kind of service gap between the three platforms, um, which mobile OS would you choose? First of all, I'd say that I don't think quantity matters. Uh, but the, the, I mean, I know it's, it's now become sort of a parity bit of research, but if I look at my own usage and what I put on the home screen, I, even though I'm supposedly, you know, spending all day every day working in mobile, I still just use the same five or six key apps that everyone else does. And it's very unu- rare for a new app to, to make it into, you know, sort of daily, daily use. So it, for me, it's about quality. Um, and I would probably still choose Apple because actually I'm, I'm perhaps I'm grumpily intolerant of stuff that doesn't work well. And and that's the ecosystem that that really majors on things working reliably. I do you know what I think I'm the same. Yeah, you're supposed sorry. to be the contrary one. Well, you know, I think uh, I know. Uh, and I've already kind of sacrificed the sort of app gap thing because I do use Windows Phone as my primary device. It's more a religious thing most for you, of the though, time. Isn't it? Well, well, you could say that, but it, it's for the it's same purpose. Thing. Actually, the things that matter to me more are kind of the way the software, the platform fits together and does things consistently. I think we've said before as a group, the reason we like iOS and Windows Phone is because it's actually a case of less is more sometimes. And so the actual quantity of the apps doesn't matter. Clearly certain service components do matter as well. The other reason that puts me off Android is actually because it's a cloud-connected device, particularly with the more recent versions of Android, if you don't have a good connection on an Android device, its utility becomes less. I think iOS... Battery becomes better. Uh, it does. And iOS and Windows Phone, by their nature, are more offline platforms. I think that's just a, a function of, of relatively where they are at this snapshot in time, though. And I think the Perhaps. other ecosystems will suffer or benefit from that to the same extent sooner or later. I, I think they do. I do think there's a philosophical difference in that Apple is trying to do more on the device and Google is trying to do more on the cloud. That's because Apple sells hardware and Google sells clouds. And that's exactly that's exactly why. And that does matter for me because I'm often in places where connectivity isn't great. So what's telling here is that none of us are waiting for a one, one platform to improve to the point that we can jump over to it. We've all settled on our platforms and mm. it, even even yeah. even if they changed as as Leong asks and yeah. I think I'm 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 gonna I'm going to say we wouldn't change. Uh, I agree. Um, there's a follow-up question there, though. Um, Google dominates search browser mobile OS, so why is it allowed to continue the dominance? <laughs> well, I think why is it? Uh, there's there's two ways you can interpret allowed. Which one is 
from a regulatory point of view, literally legally, why has it been allowed? And I think that's because it tiptoes along the line of, yeah. of, of regulator controls, which always lag so much the real market. Although I don't think that they're actually doing anything uncompetitive. I think it's often time, oftentimes it's just that they're, um, they're sort of taking advantage of being early into the market. But in terms of allowed, I don't, well, Rafe, consumers, consumers don't mind this. They want to have live in an ecosystem generally, don't they? Yeah, m- most consumers don't object to that kind of locking because you don't notice it until it's you try, try, to, try to escape from it. And Google's got there because its search is better than anything else out there. Um, you know, that's how it's got into mobile. It did that by being the first mover on low-cost uh, smartphone, perhaps, you know, giving Android away for free. But to Ben's point about regulatory regimes, I actually think we're probably going to see changes in the next five years. I mean, partly we've seen a left-wing parliamentary shift in the European Parliament. So Europe is going to probably be much tougher on a regulatory point of view of Google in the next few years because of the recent elections. How big an impact will that have? It's difficult to know because obviously one of the trends we've seen in in Silicon Valley is the idea of tech companies wanting to become almost unregulated, independent from you know the idea of being controlled by a state. It's something that Google and other tech companies are really pushing. Honestly, it's the thing that probably gives me most concern for the future of those those tech companies. You know, they want to get away from having to obey, uh, obey people's laws, yeah. and you know, the tax regime all ties into that kind of thing. Uh, uh, you know, this is what happens. You know, duopolies and monopolies do get established. It's kind of the way of the business world, and it's one of the rather depending on your point of view, attractive or unattractive facets of capitalism. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to the next question from uh, Mr. Ella here. Um, where will we see the future of TVs going uh, in regard to smartphones and apps? So that's an interesting one there. Uh, ben, how, how are you getting on with your smart television? Well, I use the built-in apps to... Really? Do- well, is that so, a Samsung you've got? Yes, yeah, so I've got I've got Samsung Smart right. TV, and I use the built-in apps to view media streaming services. Well, like Netflix. Uh, so you use actually, I don't have a Netflix subscription at the moment, but I use all of the each one of the five main terrestrial broadcasters in okay, the UK right, have their right. own streaming app, and I use that, including iPlayer, which is the most famous one for the BBC. Um, and we use all of those services. Um, then um, is it not a bit crap? It, well, it, it's. It doesn't matter. It's got a, a cruise TV guide. You find the program you want to watch. You mm. press go, and then the screen's filled up with a re, you know with an HD image of, okay. of the video. So it, it, there isn't. It's not as good as it is on an iPad, let's say, mm. but it's good enough. And well, it's actually, I like the Apple TV because that's a. a so I feel like a nicer experience. But but the point is that. I don't use any of the other apps. I don't install stuff out of their store. We don't use their on on TV mm. media purchasing service. You know, we don't get into the Samsung ecosystem. We simply use Apple TV or Sky. And that's it. We don't use any of the Sony yeah. apps at all. But I bet you've got a fully fledged Sony TV with an app store and yeah, an ecosystem. You can't really buy one without that yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. They, they give it to you. I don't want that. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I agree with Ben because I want to believe that the, the biggest screen in your home is going to be used for something more than just watching content. And I think part of the problem is at the moment people associate TV so heavily with content and specifically broadcast content. I think the rise of on-demand content 
may start to introduce the idea of apps or the fact that you can do something else with your TV into the public consciousness. I think that it's very messy. It doesn't work very well at the moment. Most of the smart TV platforms are kind of HTML5 and CSS and JavaScript based in terms of the enabling technology. Mm. Can Android um, TV change that? Potentially, but I actually think you need to think about where the smartness for the TV is. I think those screens will become largely dumb and the sort of the mirrored content will come from elsewhere. Now, that might be a set-top box in the UK. We've got Sky, equally you could look at cable providers. But then there's the idea of Chromecast and Miracast, Apple TV, taking content off your mobile device and displaying it on the screen. Okay, then, right, let's move on to the reef questions. Special Rafe section of the podcast yes, now. that's right. Uh, Richard Yates via Twitter says, would, I would like some commentary on where the Microsoft phones are going forward. Actually, Ewan, I think the funniest thing would be if we don't let Rafe answer this section. Oh, that's a good idea. No Rafe input at right, all. Okay. Just watch, he's sorry, sorry. Already, sit, sit over there. He's already squirming and, uh, and, and, and looking very uncomfortable. Right, like, Rafe, you can have a sentence at the end of these questions, right? Okay. Uh, so Richard says, would, I would like some commentary on where Microsoft phones are going forward. Is it the end or not, given that uh, they bought over Nokia? What the hell is moving? So, Ben, what do you think? I think Nokia, uh, Microsoft are in for a penny. They're in for a pound. They, they're in for another $5 billion, basically. They are. There is a future of Microsoft phones, but they're, they're, the future is because they're going to keep investing and pushing. But I also think, much as I like winding up Rafe, that they are, net, they are now not arguing that they're the third ecosystem. They yes. are definably the third ecosystem. BlackBerry and some of the other competitors have crumbled and or failed or been beaten, depending on your view. And actually, in some places, the, they're, they're getting enough of a foothold, it's fold, it's going to be worth their while. So, so there's life there? there? There's life there, but it's going, to be, it's going to be fueled and funded by a lot of Microsoft money. And I imagine their enthusiasm for investing that money will be, depend on their other businesses and how much of a cash cow they are. Okay, Blanford, one sentence from you, please. Thank you very much. That's excellent. Next question. No, give him, give him a say, go on. Uh, I think, as Ben says, Microsoft won't give up anytime soon. And some of the moves they've made in terms of dumping Series 40 and Asher uh, you know, are brave, and especially in the short term, some people find a bit confusing, but they're basically placing all their bets on Windows Phone and that's what they need to do because that's the space where they need to be competitive. It's where it fits in with their core vision. A lot is going to depend on how much they can integrate it with the rest of the Microsoft ecosystem and persuade people that there's an advantage to having a Windows phone because it connects and works better with the Microsoft services. But that's going to be very much working against the fact the company as a whole will be making the services generally available on mobile. That, that wasn't, just cut out that, Ben, because that wasn't a sentence. Uh, that, that was that was a paragraph. Rich. Richard also asks, are we going to see another good camera phone from Microsoft? Rafe, yes or no? Yes. Ewan? Well, I think that depends on a number of factors. Right, well, we're tight for time, so give us a sentence. Yes. And I agree, because I think they've made a massive investment in cameras. Although, interestingly, I can't imagine that Microsoft are going to push imaging as hard as Nokia did, because it would seem to be much more part of the Nokia identity imaging than it will be with Microsoft. They have broken through though with people yeah. going, oh yes, the pure view, very good. You know, I, I think that's... I think the, the key thing here is that all imaging on smartphones is going to be much better than it was in the future. 
And so the idea of a good enough camera is going to be on every device. And so the need for the truly specialist devices becomes less apparent. Let's move on to the, the next question, which is really about big phones. We've actually had questions from both uh, James Norton and Mr. Leona via Twitter here asking about the trend on, on large phones. And we're talking phablets here. And is this sort of the result of, you know, the companies doing market research or have people just gone or the manufacturers just gone nuts? I think uh, James Norton put this the best, best way. Was it a supply of big phones or demand for them re resulting in this? And there's no question that, that the phablets are here. If you look at some recent research, if you define phablets as being anything above five inches. And I know I like to, um, definitely. By the end of next year, they will account for more than half of smartphone sales, which yeah. is pretty amazing when you think about the standard until a few years ago was sort of four inches or below four inches. Okay, I'll answer that by chicken saying... Chicken or egg, then. Yeah. Chicken or egg. I think it was... Uh, the egg which is in this particular metaphor <laughs> actually no i mean the yeah no i don't mean that i mean the i, I mean they knocked out a, a big massive one and thought let's have a look what was that the dell streak do you remember the dell streak that seven was, inches was it yeah but that was that was not no, it was really phone. samsung that got that started was not on a this. phone though was it it was a tablet it was a, it was it was a, ta a tablet but it, i mean couldn't make calls i mean i'm not quibbling about the terminology yeah, sorry, literally right, right, couldn't right. make that, that calls was, yeah okay um, that's one of the first i remember but i yeah. i thought it wasn't a that phone, of course because this is the this is the samsung thing of yeah. throw a million form factors at the wall and, and see what happens and i don't think there was a demand for huge phones that you could have clearly identified i mean it may be you could have seen a, a sort of some some indications, but they built a ton of different form factors, and this one has been a surprise hit. And now they're going to, you know, all the manufacturers are going to milk it for as long as it's popular. I guess the the question is, is it a fad because of the, everything's changing as as we introduce more device types and form factors, or actually is that what smartphones are now? You know, yeah, or or, or it's related to battery. I think are we as consumers demanding? big batteries in their phones. Obviously not, otherwise the manufacturers will be putting in 5,000 milliamp massively, you know, one-inch thick phones. You see, personally, I see the trend for large-screen smartphones and phablets in particular as partly a consequence of wanting to do more with your phone, and particularly around media consumption. But I also think it's a trend that's been happening for a while. If you look back to the kind of the non-touchscreen smartphones, they had screens of, you know, 1.5 inches and upwards and kind of the standard was probably around two and a half inches with the move to touch that went to three to four inches and actually there's just been a continuous trend for making the screen a little bit bigger so i wouldn't actually identify fablets as being a particularly new trend it's just the extension of that getting the screen bigger and bigger but it struck me that uh, you know you don't use phones for making calls anymore you use it for apps and therefore that's driven a larger screen size because it, you need to be able to, the more complicated the Absolutely. apps are, the more you need screen estate to interact with them or, or display data. We see that um, the small trend for compact versions, but, the, uh, the but, Sony. But those, those mini versions aren't selling well at all, are they? No, the, the, well, that, that shows you something. That's telling the manufacturers not to bother. So that's been a recurring theme. I mean, people like the idea of mini phones, but when it actually comes to it, they seem to be buying the big ones. And so I think to go back to the original question, I think that manufacturers did do the research and they knew that people wanted bigger phones and it's only been reinforced by consumer demand. And you know there is a choice to have the smaller phones and you do have to make a sacrifice maybe on battery life or functionality. And even where there's been kind of a quality in terms of it's exactly the same hardware, just a bit smaller, people are still choosing the bigger ones. 
I think the trade-off is such that that bigger screen is worth having because it does make that whole app use and media consumption easier. And because people don't have a whole array of phones in their house where they pick up the one. So you, bu- you buy the one that you think kind of covers the most scenarios, even if even if on some occasions it's too big or too fragile or whatever. Well, from a contract standpoint, here in the UK, if you walk into a store and the guy says, you want the small one or the big one, it's the same price, more big, or less. Big yeah. one, yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, let's keep moving on then. Uh, and we are to, to our and finally section. We're to the and finally section. We that that felt like it went very quickly. Let's let's keep going. Um, so, um, Stefan Constantinescu, uh, yes, friend of the show. Uh, also, Hi, Stefan, uh, man, one of one of the two men behind uh, the voicemail podcast, which you should immediately go and subscribe to because it is jolly good, and they do weekly news about mobile, which I enjoy very much. And, ta- and the he's also the founder of Tab Dump. Yes, you should go to tabdump.com and you should, as I have done, uh, subscribe mm-hmm. and give him some money to support him in a excellent curated news website. I haven't given him money yet. Well, Actually. pull your finger out and do it because it's jolly good. Yeah, and Stefan deserves to, uh, to uh, he doesn't have kids, just eat. I was going to say give his kids shoes or whatever. But Yeah. Okay. But anyway, um, he is uh, he's, he's a, a friend of the show. Uh, he says, if you weren't covering mobile, what would you be covering? Oh, okay. Well, I can, I can answer that actually. Go on. Uh, well, I also run the pursuit of quality. When you say run, what? I, I'm pretty sure I'm subscribed to it. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I haven't actually done that much because that, well, that's the point. That's the point, right? The thing is, it is so, it is curated so well and so selectively that only yes. the finest posts make it out. It has the been internet. a little while, dear listeners. But uh, yeah, do check out the pursuit of quality when you're bored. I also uh, run. Well, hang on, for, for those for those who aren't already familiar with it, what does it? Well, cover? it's just me chatting about things that I like and appreciate. So devices, services, products. Okay, best of the best. Exactly, exactly. Like sausage rolls, I have done some extensive research in the be- in dis- discovering what are the best. Sausage rolls that you can buy. I can't believe I wasn't invited to the t- that, to the. That was all, it was wicked. It was excellent, and uh, the answer is DonaldRussell.com, uh, a Scottish butcher, do some fantastic ones, and there's a, some wicked wicked photos. Okay. They are on the uh, Pursuit of Quality website. So if you do Pursuit of Quality sausage rolls, you'll find it. Rafe Blanford. Well, the, the the first expression is things outside mobile. Does that that really exist? Because mobile's everywhere and impacts on everything. Uh, but the more serious answer. Hallelujah, brother. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> the, the, the more serious answer to that is uh, I think I'd probably be covering environmental issues, which is something I do touch on occasionally. Rafe came up with a sensible, worthwhile answer. You're banging environmental. On, you're banging so, so, on about some yeah. nonsense about sausage, sausage rolls. rolls and so, Rafe saving the planet. I'm, I'm basically a closet tree hugger, if truth be known. But that probably something to do with growing up in the countryside. With the estate. Growing up. <laughs> oh dear, you two are on form today. Bonus, bonus. Okay. What about you, Ben? Um, are you going to come up with a solid, considerate answer? No, well, no. Um, so, uh, so I can mock you now. You can absolutely, and, and indeed, indeed, I'm you too have. much of a gentleman to do that. Or <sighs> busy hugging trees. <laughs> too busy yes, to let go of that tree. Um, well, I suppose outside of outside of mobile, and it, it is somewhat all con, all consuming. I used to be a musician many many moons ago. You are kidding us. No, I did. I used to be a musician. What did you play? I um, drums. I, I played drums. All right. Then. I played orchestral percussion. I was a flautist and a pianist. <laughs> Say so, that again. Flautist. A bloke what plays the flute. And the other thing is, and this is a, a, a sort of a, 
closet interest is I like fountain pens very much. I like. I didn't know. This. Did you know this? No. There we go. So what? you didn't know this. So um. So I. I just. Where's like, your Mont Blanc? It's in my bag. Is it a fountain pen? Uh, haven't got that one. With have you got it. a Messerstück? Uh, I have at home. Yes. Okay, I was about to call him out as a massive fraud. You mean Meisterstück? No, Messerstück. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, but I, I like fountain pens. But they don't have to be super expensive. But I've I've got a couple of different a couple of different varieties and things. And um, I have to say, I really like Japanese fountain pens because they make they make some of the more interesting ones and they're not like super premium but they're really nice for writing and you aren't winding us up no i'm literally not winding you up and the thing is that every, you go into a meeting and you start to write notes in your notebook and everyone yeah. says oh you're supposed to be the technology guy you know but you say well actually i can write put, I, write, I write my best notes by hand in a nice notebook with a nice pen and it helps me you know it, it means i'm thinking about what i'm writing and i also quite enjoy the process of writing and then at the end of the meeting i get my camera out take a picture into Evernote, it goes, and bingo, I can be analog and digital all at the same time and enjoy the best of both worlds. And that's us done. Thank you very much for all of your questions. Um, thank you for everyone who supported us over season seven. We've enjoyed it very much. We have been collecting together loads of your um, survey feedback, yes. and we've run out of time in this bonus episode. We were going to do some uh, do some feedback for you on all that all, all the views and opinions that have been shared because we have had literally hundreds and hundreds of survey responses which have been absolutely fantastic so uh, rather than rather than spin it all out in an in a extended episode we are going to uh, publish a blog post and I'll put up some summary notes to let you all know what you liked what you li didn't like on your opinions and a few surprising ones in there actually so I recommend uh, I recommend having a quick visit to 361podcast.com yep. uh, where you'll be able to see that post and you can also go back and listen to all of season seven and of course you can read season seven because every single episode like has that. been transcribed mm -hmm. uh, for your viewing browsing searching pleasure which I've uh, thus far has only served purpose for me to prove to you and McLeod that he was wrong by his, when he claimed he didn't say something that he actually said in the podcast I mean that was that's just because the really she transcribed it incorrectly right that that was money well spent that in my in my in my view it's been a pleasure recording this season and it's I think not uh, a surprise to say we will be back sooner rather than later and we promise it won't be a three month gap this time so thanks very much and we will be back soon with season eight and episode 100 woohoo